now. Oh, look who's home. Long time no see. You haven't changed a bit. Come on in. Welcome back. With genuine BMW expertise, parts, and a convenient range of options to suit you, when it comes to caring for your BMW, there's no place like home. Book your BMW service online 24-7. T's and C's apply. Subject to availability, participating retailers only. Now, let's take a look at you. This podcast is part of the famous original Podcast Network family. You can find us by going to www.fopnet.biz. Over. It contains strong language, strong opinions, and strong beers. It is not meant for children or for those who think they are children. You know who you are. Hey everyone, welcome to Dumb All Over, a progressive podcast with brash opinions on politics, religion, and pop culture. Now, for our regular listeners, I know you're thinking, oh, is this another solo Austin episode? No, it is not. So what we're going to do today is we're going to release our, we had an interview with Sarah Smith, and we're going to release that today as a bonus episode. And then the big announcement is that we are changing our release days to Monday. So on Monday, you're going to get the full normal release of the full episode. Uh, but today, since we didn't want to release nothing, we, we did an interview with Sarah Smith that was supposed to go in the full episode. But uh, Tom and I decided that it would be cool just to release it as a standalone because we thought it was a really amazing interview. And then on Monday, you'll get the full episode. So without further ado, here is our interview with Sarah Smith. All right. There's a little bit further ado. So... Um, we're in the process of figuring out the best way to record these interviews, and right now we're using Zoom, so the quality isn't quite as good as I would want it to be, but it still sounds pretty good. I think everything's clear, so I um, feel comfortable releasing it. So just with that caveat, here is our interview with Sarah Smith. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, everyone. Joining us for the third time is one of our good friends. Um, you will definitely remember her name. It is Sarah Smith. Sarah, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me back. Of course. Thank you for coming back on, especially so soon after the uh, midterms. We really appreciate it. Of course. Anytime. So tell us what you've been up to, Mrs. Smith. <laughs> oh, boy. So I've been up to a lot. I took a couple days off after the election to just literally do nothing. Um, and then I started back up at work and I slid back in to finish some projects I've been ignoring. And mm -hmm. uh, I've been talking with my team about what we want to do next and next steps. And we've all of us are kind of taking our own breaks to go visit family sure. and stuff for the holidays. And so... Uh, after the holiday, our plan is to get the get the band back together and figure out what we do next. So okay. We are working on a couple of things. We have some ideas. Um, I don't want to spoil anything yet, but I'm not disappearing. I keep posting occasionally on Facebook. I'm not disappearing. I'm literally <laughs> just working my job that pays me money right now. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. If anybody gets upset about that, uh, send them our way. We'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll 
<laughs> I can remind you, it's only been about two weeks, a little shy of two weeks since the election. Like, I'm already ready to jump back in and everybody else is asking, <laughs> please let me have a break there. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to give them all breaks. And I told them after Thanksgiving, we're going to reconvene. And so after <laughs> that, we're going to reconvene and talk. But they're ready. Um, everybody that I work with, all my volunteer staff, they're ready to know what we're, what the, the, what's in the works for coming up next. Okay. Um, but we have a lot of ideas. So I'm really excited. And when I know, you guys will know. Awesome. Okay, absolutely. Yeah, thank you very much. We're looking forward to that. Of course. So, since um, we've kept in touch from the, when you were running against Adam Smith all the way till the primary, just a couple of weeks ago, why don't you tell us what, uh, what what election night was like? You know, we we knew what it was like when it was announced that you were going to be going to the primary on November sixth. What was November sixth like for you and your campaign? Um, it was really mixed. We all knew that we were fighting an uphill battle. We knew that. We've known that since day one. Um, <clears throat> I'm an eternal optimist. I call myself a pragmatic <laughs> optimist where I uh, plan for the worst and hope for the best. Mm. And we kind of knew that this was going to be a difficult night for a lot of folks. So instead of focusing on election night as um, a potential victory party, like I know a lot of people normally do, mm -hmm. I really tried to shift the focus back to my volunteer team. And I, what I wanted election night to be was a celebration of their hard work and their coming together and everything that they built alongside me just being, we can celebrate that no matter what, because at the end of the day, win or lose, we get to celebrate the work that we did. And that's what I really tried to hammer home to them is, is this is our moment to celebrate how hard we busted our tails sure. to make it happen. And so it was, it was a bittersweet night. I was sad because I, I, I didn't realize how sad I'd be that the campaign was over. I was actually having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> and I was kind of sad it was coming to an end. Um, and then my, my core leadership team, we're all extremely close friends. And we're still all in our Slack, using our Slack. And <laughs> we're, uh, I'm going to go spend Thanksgiving with some of them uh, this upcoming Thursday. And we're talking oh, about nice. what we're awesome. going to do for Christmas. Like, we're all really close. And the idea of not seeing them every day made me really sad. And I think that was like the, the hardest part of the entire night was realizing we're not going to be running into each other every day in the office. Right. And um, we kind of just made it about, you know, celebrating the experience more than celebrating the election. And I thought that was the way to do it. That was how I wanted it to go out. I wanted this whole campaign to be about people building themselves up, not just building up the campaign. And mm. this was, that was our night to celebrate it. And so because we focused so hard on that, um, when we got the first round of numbers in, we kind of knew what we were looking at. And we got the first round of numbers in, they weren't what we wanted. We didn't really have, we didn't really stop to mourn. We just kind of kept the focus on celebrating what we did. So the overall... Uh, response to everything was overwhelmingly positive, it sounds like. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Everyone was great. Um, they all signed this beautiful guest book, writing really nice messages to myself and to all the staff and everything. And um, so we do this really cool thing on our campaign that I didn't, it didn't really get televised. We didn't really talk about it. But uh, mm -hmm. if you look at pictures of me, you'll see I'm wearing a, an antique key around my neck. Okay. Um, all of our core leadership staff has these keys. Now we spread it out so that most of our volunteers had these keys. Okay. Um, and I got to bring a big old box of them with us. And the, the sentiment behind it is, this is the movement that unlocks the future. 
And that was our, our running theme. And so if you were a volunteer in our campaign, you got a key. And that night, we actually had a big old box for everyone that hadn't been able to, we hadn't been able to meet with and go through the whole very emotional feel of what that means and, and have a moment of tears of like, oh my God, I'm a part of this campaign. Uh, so we brought a big old box and we got to get everybody their keys and stuff like that. And so I think adding that element to it and really reminding people that this is a physical symbol of your role in the movement, I think that was really powerful. And I think that that kept people really positive and that kept the attitude really positive. And it reminded people that whether or not this is a victorious campaign, we were all a part of something. And I just thought that was really important. And to keep the focus on the folks that really worked hard for no money, and I paid them in so many Domino's pizzas. (laughs) (laughs) That was really what we wanted the night to be about. But overall, it was pretty overwhelmingly emotional and positive, but in a good way. And so I think we, we were very careful to cultivate that kind of night for everybody. Very cool. What were your... Uh, your thoughts about how the election night went uh, as far as the rest of the elections. Uh, what do you think went well? What What do you think went wrong? Was a, Did enough happen? What's your overall take on uh, elect, uh, the midterm elections? So my overall take on the midterm elections is pretty much in line with a lot of other brand new Congress and Justice Dems folks. We all knew that this was a dark horse uphill battle. And we all knew that 2018 might not be the year that the movement takes off, but it's Mm -hmm. the year the movement gets some fuel in its engines to get started. We all knew that we were on the front lines and that we were the ones that were most likely to sacrifice the biggest to make sure that the movement happens in 2020 and 2022. Um, You have to make change if you want change, is what I keep telling people. And change doesn't always mean you get an immediate victory. This is a marathon. It is not a sprint. And we made it very clear that we are not going anywhere. Our movement does have power and it has value. I looked especially at Lindsey Fagan's race down in Texas 26, where she got more than any other previous Democrat ever in her mm-hmm. district. She rocked it. But this is the case in all of those races that even though we lost, we didn't really lose. We proved that Democratic candidates are becoming more viable in these races. And that if we have more time and we have more name recognition and we do it again, we stand a really good chance of winning in 2020 or 2022. But we really knew that we were paving the way. We were really, we were setting the foundation. And a lot of times that foundation isn't a, isn't a victory. That foundation is just getting up and doing it and demanding something else. And our, you know, we call ourselves, a, my husband always talks about, um, sometimes you don't get to be Jesus. Sometimes you're John the Baptist. And (laughs) I actually think it's a really poignant phrase. (laughs) Like everyone forgets John the Baptist was heralded as the prophet who was, who was um, uh, reckoning the, or he was talking about the coming of Jesus Christ. And so he eventually died, but he believed over and over again. And he talked over and over again, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming. And everyone was like, aren't you the Messiah? Aren't you the Messiah? And it turns out he's not. (laughs) And he knew that. (laughs) And he he had to make that sacrifice in order for the Messiah to come. And that's the big thing with the progressive movement. I know it's deeply rooted in the Bible. My husband's actually very religious. I myself am not very religious, but he is. And um, it really is a poignant statement, though. Sometimes you're the person that heralds the coming of the big wave. You don't always get to be the big wave. And Mm -hmm. I mean, Courtney Rowe from uh, Iowa put it another way. She's like, you know, you are the light and sometimes your job is to pass the light on to someone else. Mm. And that's a really big thing that we've been mindful of in this campaign. We know progressive, uh, progressive candidates are, are struggling to get uphill and to keep moving up that hill. It's an almost Sisyphean journey for us. But we also know that it's necessary. And we know that our sacrifice is necessary. And we know that our loss is necessary. And we know that our victories are necessary. But they're all moving us towards the direction that we want to go. And every victory that does happen 
is big and huge and means something and matters. And we can't lose sight of how important those victories are just because we had a few losses. Okay. Mm. Yeah. I mean, listen, the trailblazing part, that's an extremely important part. Okay. I, I mm-hmm. think, I think, um, I think the progressives did a decent job this midterm election where we yeah. made enough of an impact throughout the country in spots, especially locally, local politics. There were a lot oh, yeah. more progressive wins yeah. than people focused mm-hmm. on. Um, and that's the way you start. And on ballot measures too. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. It's and a that's, good start. I mean, when you look at the, the, and I hate to make this comparison for the progressives, but it's not that far off and people are starting to make the comparison. So I don't feel that bad anymore. But uh, <laughs> when you look at the tea partiers, when they started coming into power, they started with local offices. Sure. They took yeah. over the local offices exactly. before they started infiltrating up at the top. Now we have the opportunity to do the same thing. And we are more successfully with a better message, with better values. We mm-hmm. are taking over local offices and we're infiltrating at the top as well in the federal offices too. So we're doing something not dissimilar but that's better and positive and more impactful and means more and is for working people. And people are seeing that and it's happening more rapidly than the Tea Party movement did. So we're we're writing the scales and we're bending the sigmoid curve back in the direction of justice, I like to think. So uh, it's funny because sometimes they, you know, people talk about the Tea Party movement and they'll say things like, oh, do you really want to be the Tea Party of the left? And I'm like, what, infiltrate and control all branches of government? Yes, please. (laughs) Yeah, why not? Kind of? (laughs) Yeah, I would would like that. (laughs) Sort of. I mean, the thing that people forget, too, is the Tea Party movement started uh, with this whole anti-corruption message. The only difference between, you know, what the Tea Party anti-corruption message is and the progressive left uh, anti-corruption message is is that we actually mean it. Right, Um, yeah. Yeah. And we're actually doing it and putting our money where our mouths are. But, you know, that's that whole that whole frame of anti-corruption. That's a big one. And that's where a lot of the Democratic establishment doesn't quite understand how yes. we're pulling so many people away and how we're pulling yeah. Republican votes. Because anti-corruption actually matters a lot to the Republican people. Yeah. And so yeah. if you can pull them in with that, rep- with that anti-corruption message, they might not like you. But they'll like that they can at least trust that they don't like you. <laughs> and, yeah. and there's others. There's other parts as well. I mean, Republicans and conservatives, uh, a lot of them at least, will support universal health care. They will oh, support yeah. uh, free, uh, you know, uh, four-year college, or, or, or they will yeah, support measures that progressive yeah. ideas. So that, and that's why I've heard so many people say that if it was Bernie Sanders versus Donald Trump in the presidency a lot of Republicans that I know would have voted for Bernie Sanders because yep. they had similar messages, but one of them you could actually believe. <laughs> yeah, one of them wasn't yeah. lying through his teeth every time. Yeah, exactly. And, and hey, spoiler alert, it's not Bernie. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now the, uh, the Republicans held the Senate. The governors uh, were split pretty much 50-50. I think... Well, Democrats gained seven. They did, but yeah. I mean, like as the total number, I'm pretty sure they yeah. almost split right down the middle. But the Democrats took over the house and yeah. pretty pretty amazingly and they're still winning seats even till today yeah we actually yeah. just had one today that went democratic in uh no utah, utah yeah, yeah. Okay. so do you mind if we talk about the speaker of the house situation not at all i'm totally open to talking about it i i'm i'm glad you said that because you know it's not a spoiler here but austin and i are both guys so it's we don't see things necessarily the way that a, a woman would see. 
I want to get a woman's perspective on Nancy Pelosi. Now, it's not just a woman's perspective, obviously. There's a lot, mostly it should be about policy and all that. But what do you think? Because it looks like Pelosi is going to be the the Speaker of the House. I don't think that anybody could debate that at this point. So what do you think? Would you support a Pelosi-backed House? Are you, you, what are your concerns? Or do you have any concerns at all? Maybe you don't. I do. I actually tweeted about it not that long ago, and it was a more controversial tweet than I thought. I am, I understand, you know, some of the people I was hoping would run for speaker are not running for speaker. Um, but still, I also think that there's more to it than that. It's how they're encouraged. It's whether or not they're told to step up. Uh, it's backdoor dealings. Now that I've been in the gamut of this, I can kind of talk more transparently. There okay. really is a lot more backdoor dealing. And it feels very tinfoil hat and, uh, you know, house of cardsy. But I used to laugh about house of cards. Like, this is such a caricature. It's really not. Really? And that's something that no one is going to tell you. It is really not that far off from how it actually is. Oh, that's scary. Think there about. is a lot of backdoor dealing that happens that you kind of start to see. And so I know that the person I would love to run for speaker is Barbara Lee, um, but I know she's not running. Yeah. And as far as I believe it was uh, somebody who was picked by Hoyer, I can't remember which representative it was. Um, but he, uh, the other person running would basically just be a different, you know, size Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. And the fact is, you know, I am very disappointed that Nancy Pelosi is the one who's going to be running for Speaker of the House. I think that she's had this job for many years in the past, mm-hmm. and we have not gained, we have lost. We right. have not moved anywhere. The needle has got, not gone any direction. Even when we had control of the House, the Senate, and the Oval Office, we failed to get anything done that was meaningful or impactful. We compromised with the ACA when we had full control and we didn't need to. We didn't even talk about student debt. We didn't even talk about immigration. We didn't even talk about climate change. And I think the fact that that we we missed that huge window of opportunity, which could have insulated us a lot from what Trump is doing, I think is really disappointing and disheartening. And I'm disappointed that Nancy Pelosi is going up again. And while, you know, I have the whole, I do respect the fact that it takes a lot. And we saw that it takes a lot. We went through, what, like six speakers in one year when the GOP had control of the House? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So obviously, you know, if they can't cut it and she can, you know, it's a tough job. And she's got to be a tough woman to do it. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, she gets a lot of flack and everything for anything that happens in the House. She's the one that takes the brunt of that force. And I understand that. I respect her experience. I, I, I respect the fact that, you know, she's, she does have the chops to do the job. But at the same time, you know, we also need to be willing to take a risk on something. Mm -hmm. We need to be really willing to take a risk on change. We are not going to make the kind of impact and make the kind of change we want to make if we keep doing the same things that haven't yielded any kind of change in the past. And I'm incredibly disappointed in Nancy Pelosi's response to climate change and fighting for climate change. I'm really disappointed in a lot of the Democrats now who are backing off of Medicare for all now that the midterm elections are over. Um, Which I expected to happen, to be honest with you. We all kind of did, I think. (laughs) But we also knew what it was. We knew what it was when a lot of these centrists started doing it. They were just trying to get their progressive street creds so they could stop left. Sure. It's like a kid running for like the high high school president. It's like, oh, I'm going to make sure everyone gets straight A's if you nominate me. It's like, oh, wow, I'm going to vote for that. And then they're like, oh, yeah, I can't actually do that, by the way. But thanks oh for yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, this is kind of what is happening now. And like, you know, I, I understand that, that of the people running, she really is the only viable option. But I really hate this thing we're doing where we're, we're, only, put it, we're only voting on the most viable option right. rather than the best option. Yeah. And I think that these backdoor dealings, like adding additional chair positions to the Progressive Caucus, 
um, adding additional positions for people. We're watching folks move into positions of power. And coincidentally, all of them were folks that could have run for speaker and didn't. And, yeah. you know, that's, I can tell you from my experience doing this, that is not a coincidence that is by design. And I just think it's really sad that we didn't learn anything as a party. We oh, didn't no. learn at all. And we're not learning. We're continuing to not learn. And then, you know, we're going to be shocked again when they put up whoever it is they're putting up in 2020 and it's not Bernie Sanders. And we're right. fighting right. Bernie Sanders again. And we're going to be shocked again when Trump takes another term. And I yeah. just, it's, it's because we are not learning from our mistakes. And it's because we are afraid to take risks. Mm-hmm. And it's because we are afraid to step outside of our comfort zone as a party. And the fact is, is we are not going to make any change or get anywhere if we stick to this safely designed box for ourselves and don't take any risks. And we kind of have to learn as a party that, you know, in order to get anything done, in order to do the things we want to do, in order to actually make people's lives better, we have to take a chance and we have to take that chance on doing something different. So I'm very disappointed, but I also recognize that there really is no other choice. I'm just tired of this false dichotomy our party keeps giving us. I'm worried about two specific things right now when it comes to Nancy Pelosi. Number one is Donald Trump supports her. Oh God! Yeah, I, I know that sounds like. <laughs> yeah. wait, why would that be bad? Well, it's that's Donald Trump. Well, that's what, yeah, that's yes. what I said on Twitter. He, he supports like, her. It's probably a bad idea. He also exactly. Does, you know, gutting all of our national yeah. monuments and getting rid of Yeah, it's like why is he bad? He's not only backing Nancy Pelosi. He's also saying, "Oh, I could get any votes for her." Like, wait, why? Now you're going to be. You're going to be like tr- whipping for votes now. Yeah, that's Hashtag resist, man. <laughs> I know that's that's, that's what I said. Concerning. I believe by by Twitter's rules, he's now part of the resistance. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. And, like, <laughs> I'm totally with you on this. People are are Donald Trump supports her, which is a bad thing. It's what we want in a resistance is we want a resistance leader. Do we really think Emperor Palpatine loved Princess Leia? Like, come on, <laughs> <laughs> this is. You don't want someone that the, the bad guy is going to be like, oh, no, I'd love to work with that person. Well, that's and you probably don't want to work with them. <laughs> and, yeah. and I can only think of a few reasons why Trump would want to support Nancy Pelosi. One of them is he thinks that he could walk over her. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and I, from past records, I don't disagree that he can. Well, not only that, she makes a good like boogeyman. We go, absolutely. Oh, case, absolutely. Yeah. How many how because, many politicians ran under? Oh, this person's a Nancy Pelosi backed Democrat. Like, yeah, that it has such a bad name to it. And she's also uh, like whether her policies are good or not, she's so unpopular even in our own party. Yeah, it's like, yeah. The progressive left hates her. The centrists hate her. Apparently, don't like her. (laughs) So it's like, oh, who likes her? According to Real Clear Politics, her approval rating is at like 19, 20%. We're talking Chris Christie numbers. Yes. (laughs) And I mean, and then she's, then Donald Trump says he'd love to work with her. Like, this is not all signs point to no. The only people that want to work with her are Republicans, which is a bad sign for the Democrats. Terrible signs. Yeah. And then today she comes out saying, oh, there's not going to be any talks about universal health care. She's talking about towing the line between bipartisanship. I don't want that. I don't, no, we don't need to do it in the House. That's <laughs> no. We do not need to compromise. No. Why are we doing it? We control the House. We can do whatever yes. we want when it comes to House procedures. And we're going to try to toe the line with the four Republicans that came back. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like, look at this. Do you, does she think that the Republicans would be super concerned over bipartisanship? No, they are going to uh, hammer a crappy tax bill through that is going to disadvantage hardworking folks left yep. and right and basically again. bankrupt the nation. Oh, wait, again. they did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, like, that's it's what more the same. Is. 
It's, right. And that's the unfortunate part about this. It's like, yay, the Democrats won back the House, but it's, it's going to be more of the same. It's going to change. And I'm really, really hoping, like my sister candidate, AOC, Alex Ocasio, God, for the love of all that is holy, I please, I just want her to keep shaking things up. And every time I read about Democrats being like, she's not doing things the right way. And I'm like, no, <laughs> Good. you know, the right way is not the way that's been working. Exactly. So maybe it's not the right way. Good. I'm just really hoping that she at, uses her voice alongside Ilan Omar and Rashida Slave. I just want to see like these strong, amazing mm-hmm. women of color step up and be like, hell no, we are done doing it this way. You say you don't want to talk about Medicare for all. That's too bad. We're talking about it. We're talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And the good thing is she comes from a district that is like routinely Democrat. Oh, yeah. So, you know, if she can't get the message passed in these two years. Yeah, I live we'll right near that district. That's she'll be safe there. We'll we'll see her in again, again yeah. and again. Oh yeah, and, she'll keep it. Yeah. But the but the but way that's what we need and like I'm, right. I'm just hoping that you know where everybody else is trying to do more of the same that these strong, powerful, amazing women who are now rocking the party and mm-hmm. who are shaking it up are they refuse to be silent and that they refuse to sit down. And I just want to see them refuse to fall in line because, you know, just because something is always done one way doesn't mean it is the right way to do it. And I just hope that these new voices who have never been heard before bring a new message into Congress with them and show them there is another path. We just have to be willing to forge it ourselves. And that is what I'm really hopeful for with this new group of uh, Democrats. Now, without giving too much away, because you said... You're going to keep that in secrets for now, which is fine. And we respect that. (laughs) Is there anything you can give us about what's in the future for Sarah Smith? I can give you guys some stuff. So we do know that for sure. I say we, because this, I keep talking about the we, but like this, this whole thing has been a labor of love by my volunteers and it's, they want to stay involved. I think I have, I have a huge volunteer retention rate. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, even now they're all still active in the Slack. My Slack is buzzing right now, actually, <laughs> <laughs> but they're, they're amazing. So I say we very, very deliberately, um, we know that we have a, a big platform and we know that we are looking to involve ourselves in a, a more media based way, um, with the local community and with, with local politics and with folks that are in state Senate and state house. Um, we also know that we have folks that are really dedicated to pinpoint local issues too, and we want to use that to raise their voices up as well. Um, and then we have a, a lot of opportunity to talk to people who we want to run for things and try and convince them to run for stuff. So we are talking about what that looks like, um, what kind of tools we can help equip other people who are first-time candidates with to run for office locally. Um, and how we can use our platform to um, kind of siphon in media that enables them to be heard and seen. And so we know that for sure. Okay, and awesome. I've been asked the age-old question of, are you going to run again? And right now, two weeks after the election, my <laughs> husband was staring at me, just this dead eye stare at me, like, please <laughs> shut up. But I am going to figure that out after the holidays. <laughs> okay. okay, fair enough. Okay. And, we'll, and I'm sure, and I'm sure we'll be in touch to find that out <laughs> and excitement. Of um, course, I, he's like, please just give me the new year, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> the new year. We didn't even decorate for Halloween. He's like, please give me decorate for a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, we love having you on, and we hope to have you on again uh, when you have more. Uh, you know, some announcements to make. We'll be there. We'll be there. Of course. Ready and I will that. let you guys know. Remember awesome. where I came from. <laughs> awesome. Th- thank you so much for joining us once again. Thank you. 
now. Oh, look who's home. Long time no see. You haven't changed a bit. Come on in. Welcome back. With genuine BMW expertise, parts and a convenient range of options to suit you, when it comes to caring for your BMW, there's no place like home. Book your BMW service online 24-7. T's and C's apply. Subject to availability, participating retailers only. Now, let's take a look at you. At the bank of Antandek, mortgages are on the menu. I was in the chippy last night and it hit me. Go on. We should give all our new mortgage customers £1,000. Of spuds? Potatoes? Yeah, jackets, roasties, dolphin was. I mean, what's not to love? Hey, yeah, we could call it Mashback. Genius. Meanwhile, at Santander, they're giving their customers a £1,000 cashback on selected first-time buyer mortgages. See what's possible at Santander. Lending subject to status and criteria. Cashback given on completion and repayable if mortgage closed within two years. Offer can be withdrawn. Your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on your mortgage.